Today's gospel is from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. There was a man named Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee and a Jewish leader. One night he went to Jesus and said, Sir, we know that God hasn't sent you to teach us. You cannot work these miracles unless God were with you. Jesus replied, I tell you for certain that you must be born from above before you can see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, How can a grown man ever be born a second time? Jesus answered, I tell you for certain that before you can get into God's kingdom, you must be born not only by water, but by the Spirit. Humans give life to their children, yet only God's Spirit can change you into a child of God. Don't be surprised when I say that you must be born from above. Only God's Spirit gives new life. The Spirit is like the wind that blows wherever it wants to. You can hear the wind, but you don't know where it, is, where it comes from and where it is going. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, How can you be a teacher of Israel and not know these things? I tell you for certain that we know what we are talking about because we have seen it ourselves. But none of you will accept what we say. If you don't believe when I talk to you about things on earth, how can you possibly believe if I talk to you about things in heaven? No one has gone up to heaven except the Son of Man, who has came down from there. And the Son of Man must be lifted up, just as that metal snake was lifted up by Moses in the desert. Then everyone who has faith in the Son of Man will have eternal life. God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn his people. He sent him to save them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ryan. Nice job. Hey, has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? Ah, you are? Beloved sons, beloved daughters? That may be the most important thing I have to say today, if that's all you remember. We're coming out winners. But I'm still going to preach. This text is a wonderful text that may have some guidance in the spiritual pilgrimage that we walk together. Nicodemus, a, a learned man, a faithful man who was seen as a religious leader, knows he doesn't understand it all. That is great wisdom. He is our great model for the spiritual journey right there. He seeks Jesus out because he knows Jesus knows something that Nicodemus doesn't. And he seeks him out at night as if to not be noticed. And he wants to know about how to see God, how to interact with God, how to be in the flow of God. And Jesus says to him, well, if you want that, you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. And Nicodemus takes it literally and does not understand the metaphor. Metaphor is religious language that's always pointing to a deeper way, pointing to a, a deeper truth. And poor Nicodemus, he's, he's on this literal level, and Jesus is up here or maybe down here. They're missing each other, as so often happens in conversations that people have with Jesus. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, I'm born again, are you? 
Have any of you ever had something like that happen? Okay. And, and you know what they're looking for? They're looking for a date and a time. They want to know exactly when you were saved. Now, it's only really been in the last 100 years that the term born again has been understood that way. And it's only been understood that way in certain regions of the United States. It's a relatively new understanding of how people come to know God. And it's usually very literally interpreted. Now, for some brothers and sisters in Christ, that is how God worked in their life. There was a moment, there was a day where their eyes were opened, they claimed Jesus as their Savior, and life was different from then on. Praise God for those experiences. But let me also lift up to you that there are many ways to come to Christ. Sometimes it's gradual. Sometimes it's over a long period of time. And gradually, our eyes are opened to see God's hand in our lives. Sometimes we come to Christ slowly. And we trust in what Teilhard de Chardin refers to as the slow work of God. That sometimes God speaks in a moment, and other times God speaks in a very slow and gradual way. Some people come to Christ in moments of great pain and great struggle and great suffering. Not God's doing, but God comes alongside of us when we are struggling, when we are suffering, when we are in pain. Last week, my son Matthew and I got to go to see the movie, The Shack. And it was a, it was a really good film. Have any of you read the book, The Shack? A lot of you. Have any of you seen the movie yet? Well, tonight, if you want to go with Karen Berry and some of the youth and families from our church, there's a 620 showing. And I don't know when you're leaving to carpool here. Karen, where are you? 5.45, meet here if you want to go see The Shack. It's a great movie depiction of a main character who has suffered an unspeakable loss, and he is blind to God in his life because he's so deeply pained, and he blames God, and he doesn't want anything to do with God, and he doesn't believe in God until that pain has done its work for him. And he is ready to experience the Godhead who comes in the form of the Trinity. It's a wonderful Trinitarian image of God. God the Creator is depicted as an African-American woman. God the Redeemer, the Christ figure, is a Middle Eastern man. God the Holy Spirit, the Sustainer, is an Asian woman. And there's even a scene in there where the main character meets Sophia, wisdom, which is a reference to 
a God figure in the book of Proverbs in the Hebrew Scriptures. It's a wonderful story that is told about how God wants to be in a loving relationship with, with all of us and with the whole world. It's worth watching. But sometimes that's how God speaks when we have gone through great suffering. Sometimes we come to know God through great boredom. Elizabeth and Matthew will tell you that when they were younger and, and they would say what all kids say, Dad, I'm bored. <laughs> when they would say that to me, I would, my eyes would light up and I'd get all excited. I'd say, oh, that means you're close to God. And they would roll their eyes and say, oh, Dad. <laughs> it really is only in the last 10 years or so of my life that I've realized that when we are bored, we are just the other side of God. We are so close to God. But what do we do when we're bored? We seek distractions. We get busy or busier. If we could just sit with our boredom and say, all right, God, I'm bored, and where are you? Ah, doors might open. Sometimes it's a mountaintop experience where we meet God. Other times it's in great boredom. The other place where we meet God is in deep love. When we give and receive love, we are in the flow of God. Because love comes from God. Love is created by God. It is God's greatest desire that we give and receive love. However we come to Christ, there's so many ways. However we do that, however God leads us into that experience, it means we're going to need to leave something familiar for something unfamiliar. We're invited to leave the known, what we think we know about God, and discover something that we don't know about God. And every major faith tradition in the Abrahamic traditions has that as a vital part of our growing up, a vital part of our spiritual maturity to leave the known and venture into the unknown, to leave the familiar and go into the unfamiliar, trusting that God has something good for us. The lectionary text from the Hebrew Scriptures today is from the 12th chapter of Genesis. It's the story of God calling Abram to leave his homeland to leave Haran, and to go to a place unnamed, unknown, yet to be determined. But God is inviting Abram to trust that God will provide for him and for his descendants. This may also give us a little bit of a clue as to what our purpose is in this pilgrimage of trust, that we walk together. God told Abram, Leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you 
Jews, Muslims, Christians, we all see Abraham as our ancestor, as a father figure in the faith journey. And when God says to Abram, I will bless you and your descendants, we are part of that blessing. It comes all the way from Genesis 12. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Friends, that is our task and our vocation and our joy as well. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to someone else. When we wake up in the morning, it may be good for us to say, today is the day I am blessed to be a blessing. Would you say that with me? I am blessed to be a blessing. That's it. That's our task. That's our hope. That's God's call for each of us. And it may take us like Abraham, into unfamiliar territory. It may take us way out of our comfort zone. It may lead us to trust God at our very core level. Some of us are already in that space of being in the unknown being in a land that really hasn't been our choice, or being in a season of life that is not our choice, and it is unfamiliar to us. And it is scary. And we're invited to trust perhaps deeper than we've ever trusted God with our very lives, our future direction, our loved ones, people and situations that cause us great joy and also great worry. We are blessed to be a blessing. You know, that's what we're doing when we invite children of Abraham into this sanctuary. A few weeks ago, we had an interfaith prayer vigil. And the place was packed with Jews, Muslims, Christians, people of various faith traditions, people of no faith tradition. Local politicians from Chatham were here. The police department was here because we invited them. We felt blessed by God to be a blessing of welcome to others. 400 plus people were in this sanctuary praying together, seeking to build up a community that includes all people. We'll probably have another event like that sometime in May. People have been calling me up and, and asking, when's the next vigil? There's a hunger for this. There's a desire for this that is bigger than us but it is rooted in our call through Abraham to be blessed so that we can bless others. This afternoon, we're going to be putting together 10,000 plus meals for hungry people. And we have over 60 volunteers. We had to close down our volunteer uh, site online because we had too many people. What a great dilemma that is. From 2 to 4, we're going to be in Rada Hall putting together 10,000 packaged meals that we can send out to refugee camps, soup kitchens, shelters, where people can prepare a meal that has nutrition in it 
and it will be prepared this afternoon by young people and older people, children and youth and young adults. Blessed to be a blessing. Soon we're going to be welcoming people into our church who are guests of family promise. It's the same thing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed so that we bless others and welcome them in and provide a safe place for them to sleep and eat for a week. As God leads us into the unknown, as God always does, it may be assuring to lean on a blessing that came from a third century Christian named Patrick, who we will celebrate this week with corned beef and cabbage and maybe some green beer. He prayed a prayer that affirmed that the Christ was with him, in front of him, behind him, on his left, on his right, above him and below him, and that helped him go into very risky situations in the name of Christ. Did you all get one of these today? If you didn't, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring one to you. This may be a helpful prayer for us who need some reassurance that Christ is indeed with us. Do you have seen it? that Christ is indeed with us, you might want to put this somewhere where someone will notice. You might put it in your office at work. You might put it somewhere where people coming into your kitchen will say, oh, are you Irish? And you can say, if you are Irish, fine. You, or if you're not Irish, you can say, no. I'm Christian. Let's pray this prayer together as an affirmation. Whatever we're facing, do you need to pass some of these out? Whatever we're facing, let's keep that in our minds as, as we recognize that Christ is there with that person or situation that causes us great worry. or the meeting that we dread having this week with someone in our workplace, that Christ is already there. Let us say these words together from the third century. Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me. Christ before me. Christ beside me. Christ to win me. Christ to comfort and restore me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ in quiet. Christ in danger. Christ in hearts of all that love me. Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Amen.